What's up, everybody? You're listening to an episode of This Most Unbelievable Life. Yes! We're so glad you're listening. If you've been listening for a while, you know my voice. I'm Dr. Sherry Spiegel, and my co-host is my dear friend, Dr. Paul Fitzgerald. That's right, folks. I'm Dr. Paul Fitzgerald, and I'm happy to welcome you to Season 5 of the podcast. I'm honored to be here once again with my co-host, Dr. Sherry Spiegel, as we work to discover, along with you, our own most unbelievable lives. Thank you for listening. Yes. Hello, Dr. Fitzgerald. Hello, Dr. Spiegel. How are you? I'm well. I'm very well. On this fine podcast Friday. Podcast Friday. How are you? I'm better. Well, well, I'm doing well. Working towards well? Working towards well. Yeah, working towards clarity, working towards uh, a good way of being. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Working towards a lot of stuff. Yeah. Way of being. I feel like we use that phrase a lot. What does it mean? Way of being? Yeah. What is a way of being? Uh, I do use that phrase a lot. Um, you use that phrase a lot. I do. It sounds, it's one of those phrases, it sounds really meaningful to me, although I'm not altogether sure uh, what I mean by that. Let's give it a crack. Yeah. Um, let's give it a crack. Way of being. Is it, so this is what we do, right? So it's like, what an excellent question. I will ask you, I'll come up with something and ask you if it's right. Um, yeah, that <laughs> well, What do you think about that? Let me, let's see how this goes. What is a way of being? Um, I, I, I'm trying not to like answer this in a way that just like swaps in different undefinable things for the, the undefinable thing. So it's like, right. it's like, um, the, the approach you take in the day, the approach you take in the world, the approach that one takes that I take in, um, how I carry myself through this existence, which is, sounds informative. It sounds like I said something. I don't think I did. I don't think you did either. But you did use many synonyms. I did. Right? I use a lot of synonyms. I've made it at least twice as long, if not three times as long as the original thing. Um, and you many, use, most of the words were different. Yes. And you use so many of the words uh, that if you asked me right now to repeat what you said, I could not do that because I think I zoned out. That must mean that I said something really intelligent and so profound. <laughs> it just blew my mind and I the, now have no thoughts. Yeah, it cuts through all things, right? Yeah. With such clarity. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, it it comes down to, a, I think, in me, a couple of things, um, not the least of which, well, there's probably components to it. I mean, what is the attitude that I want to have in the day? Mm -hmm. um, how do I want to respond to things as they arise and with from what direction do I want to respond to? Th and when I say direction, I think I'm thinking about like from what um, uh, e emotional place am, am I, am I responding to something with a particular point of view? Um, sort of what is my, um, my air of, uh, see, it, it's so easy mm -hmm. to slip into sort of this vague, you know, etheric stuff. Um, what, um, what emotional state do I want to convey when I, when I enter into things as they arise? 
um, do I want to, I mean, I can sort of think of this just in terms of, of sets of pairs. Do I want to approach things from optimism or pessimistic? Do I want to come at it from a place of, you know, defensiveness or from inclusiveness or inclusivity? Mm-hmm. You know, when I approach this day, do I want to do it with things as learning opportunities or as challenges? Mm-hmm. Um, and because uh, I, it, it feels like when I make that decision on which one of these things that I want to approach this day with, or any day, um, it really sets up how that day goes, and and it really almost predefines the um not the interactions that I have because I think those oftentimes happen by themselves, um, but what is taken out of them and whether or not they were enjoyable experiences or just a complete waste of freaking time. Right. What you, how am I doing? I think you're doing pretty good, right? Um, and of course, I have the advantage of the whole time you're talking, like I can write words down and I can like form sentences. And so then I could probably answer and just feel like, well, Paul, let me now tell you the answer. Um, but <laughs> it's like, Sherry, here are the ingredients, right? Uh, mix these together <laughs> into, into something that can be baked into a product that is tasty. Right. You're a fine sous chef. Um, the ingredients, yeah. But I think I'm going to let us down too. I don't, so, um, so I, I think as you were talking, I was thinking that ways of being in the world include, but are not limited to, right? Our priorities, our values. I think that it's related to our personality um, mm-hmm. and our attitudes, uh, but then it's also related to the kinds of actions we would choose to engage, actions and behaviors as well. Um, so I feel like it's not just who you are in the world, but it's also how you are in the world. Yeah, I think it's more that actually. I think it's more how because I think I've I found that. I have a lot more control over that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but I think we tell ourselves these stories that we don't have control over that, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, this is just my way of being in the world. She shouts angrily. Yeah. Right? Um. So ways of being in the world are choices, but I don't know if everyone is intentionally making choices about their ways of being in the world. Well put. Um, I think, I think I might agree with you. Um, I, especially about the part where I think a lot of people don't know that it's a choice that can be made, Mm -hmm. you know, and that gets sort of back to um, a, a deeper conversation about reacting versus responding yeah you know when when and that's because that that does play into into ways of being in in the world when when something man we just jumped right in didn't we 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 didn't do like we didn't do like rock paper scissors or anything yeah we're in the weeds and it's only six minutes in um when when things happen to to to, I, i say this like it's a bad thing when things happen to you during the day like the mailman comes or you know a dog barks or you know the whatever it could be um do you react or do you respond and you know i we, we've talked about this a little bit before and it's like i like to think that i respond to things but even on the even on good days 
you know, and we can get into what that means later. I mean, mm-hmm. I, up, I about had it with those tuck pointers. Yeah. There's only so much responding that I, that I could do before I feel like I had to, I had to react a little more, you know, in, with less thinking. Right. Uh, and with more uh, irresponsible, <laughs> irresponsible id uh, coming right. to bear. Well, it's funny. I think that I always respond to situations except for when I'm reacting, right? <laughs> it's, it's always It always seems like it's one or the other. Yeah. Like, is there another option? Uh, like, I don't want to paint a false dichotomy, but it feels like those are the choices. Yeah, there might not be. Yeah. Yeah, there might not be. Did you just hear that? Was that thunder over your Yeah, house? yeah, it really was. I was like, ooh. Oof. 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 <laughs> if you heard that, it just thunders really loud out here. For the record, Paul just reacted to the thunder yeah, in his like, house. I did not respond to the thunder. I was like, what is that? Um, perfect. Yeah, you know, the universe provides, gives us a perfect example. Yeah, um, see, I did not react. I sat here and thought, either there is thunder or... Paul is very hungry. Yeah, I was like, what is that, right? And we'll see how I react or respond if the Wi-Fi goes out. So if it does, bear with me. We'll get right back to it. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, this is this is an interesting... So these ways of being, can they be trained? And I don't know what I mean by that. It's like, I think a lot of what we... When we think that we don't have a lot to offer in terms of being able to make those choices about whether we're responding or reacting and how we approach things in the day. You know, I think it feels like almost this dichotomy between habit and, um, habit and addiction almost. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, what is, what is a habit and what is something that's more than that? And when we, I mean, when, when we think about habit, it's like how much of what you do, do you do it without thinking about it because it's a habit mm-hmm. versus, you know, and almost that, that, I mean, I would, I would kind of couch those things under the reacting yeah, sort of category. But, you know, um, when you, when we think about habits, habits come from places and those places are usually keep me safe. You know, I need to eat, you know, kind of low down on the Maslow's hierarchy a, a little bit. Um, what, what habits do we have that service and how long do we hold on to them mm-hmm. even after they don't, you know, to our own disservice, you know, and by disservice, it's like, you know, there's a way of being that you could, there's our phrase again, there's a way of being that could exist if this habit was not necessarily such a habit and you kind of were able to unwind this a little bit and respond differently to these things in ways that are mutually beneficial to everyone, including yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, well, habits yeah. aren't habits until you're, Replicate until them. Until you yeah, replicate them. And it's like, you don't know you have them until you see them. And so many habits that we have, we don't even, we don't even see. Right. Well, yeah, because they seem like they're instinctual because they're so practiced. Yeah. Right. right? Um, and so whether or not we understand that there's another way of being, mm-hmm. right? Um, we think our, our ways might be like, it's not as though I think we think they're the only ways of being. I think sometimes people see themselves as fixed. Like, however yeah. I am is how I am. Yeah. Um, you know, right. and I think you hear people say, well, you know how I am. Mm-hmm. It, I believe it, I've said that. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
Have you been sentenced to that way of being? Or do you do you choose to remain within that? And it's it's such an interesting question to me. Um, you know, I have a lot of students right now doing research papers, and I think you can for me, I can always tell the students who are taking certain kinds of um like psychology classes. Um, who have been exposed to certain kinds of ideas, such as nature versus nurture. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times there are research questions, and it's funny because I did this in college too, the research question becomes personality. Is it nature versus, or is it nurture? Yeah. And it's like, well, it's complicated, y'all. And so, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm wondering, like, how much of who we are really is fixed versus how much, how comforting the story is that I can't do anything about it. It's just how I am. Yeah. And I also wonder um, how much of our habits that we have um, are, are like, what a relief. It's like one less thing that I have to think about, you know, when this happens, I'm just going to do this. And <laughs> autopilot that and wonderful. I've, I've like automated, you know, parts of my life. Um, now I don't have to actually think about it or I don't have to think about anything else that might complicate this. If I sort of bring some automation into, into my responses to things, That's I don't true. have to respond. I can just react in an intelligent way. It's like you're trying to turn yourself into um, a, an internet bot when you do that. You know? Right. Well, but sometimes those kinds of choices of like, I'm going to automate this so that I can give myself space for this, right? Like, so you you choose to wear a t-shirt and jeans. Yeah. And then you don't have to, like, there's no complex decision making. Right? No, I fully automated that. Yeah, totally. Right? And um, earlier today, I was having um, lunch with a friend. Hi, Beth. Um and I knew that you and I were going to be recording at 2.30. I also know that when I am moving my mouth, talking with a human, I lose track of time. Mm-hmm. And I also know that I value other people being on time. And I hold other people to that value. And that I would like to be a person who's consistent in that. So my own ways of being in the world are all in conflict with each other. Mm-hmm. So as soon as we sat down, I set a timer on my watch and was like, yeah, uh, just to be safe, I'm going to set a timer. And indeed, the timer went off and I said, Beth, got to go. Got to pop. Right? Gotta pop. Um, so I could try to resist that way of being in the world. I could try to change it or I can just say, well, you know, this is... This is where I seem to be right now. So I'm going to use a strategy to navigate it. So how do we approach that kindly to ourselves? You know, because um, it's like, I, I I almost started this with like, I see this risk of blah, blah. Like it's like some kind of bad thing. But um, I can envision a scenario or a situation where that, requ- I mean, because that, what you just said requires quite a bit of awareness. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it requires quite a bit of um, introspection, some observation about yourself, observation about like what is planned for this day as best those things can be planned. Um, it requires quite a bit of inputs um, with observation to be able to come to that place where it's like, okay, when I tend to engage in 
witty banter with with friends I kind of talk a lot. I mean, that's certainly my, where I would come up it from, from myself, because it's like when I get going, you know, I, I'm, what is this time of which you speak? I don't know mm-hmm. what it is. Um, you know, when you got somewhere else to be, you know, there's this, how do we, how do you get to where it's like, I can, I can say that I lose track of time when I'm engaged in conversation in a way that doesn't feel like I'm kind of pooping on myself a little bit or as a character flaw. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. How do you say well, that? How do you how do you get there without self judgment? Well, it's so interesting that you ask that in part because I think Thank I think I know how I think of your tendency to get lost where you are. Right. Like, like in my mind, Paul Fitzgerald is someone who so prefers to be present that he can um, risk losing sight of the future agree or disagree no that might be true right yeah so like but i can i can say like the great virtue of paul is his ability to be in the moment but when i talk about myself having that same tendency i'm like i yammer on forever and so you're right like it's um for me, part of it is figuring out when I can identify the same trait in someone I love, how do I talk about it with, in them? And can I apply that same generosity to myself? Right, 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 right. But that's a very um, intentional way of being in the world. It is, it is very intentional. And as, as soon as you said that with, you know, Paul's superpower, for lack of a better way to say it, is his ability to be present. Um immediately where my head went like without even thinking about it it's like i didn't even think about it just reacted in this way it was and god help you if you want to plan anything <laughs> during the day because it's like if it's not on the calendar it's not going to happen because paul's just going to be sort of lost in this present moment experience kind of kind of thing you know um and i i know there's a balance that you know and like that's why i keep a calendar and fill mm-hmm. it in pretty good and this is why you know so i mean i it it did take quite a bit of infrastructure that I had to build around um, what my expectations f- were for a day, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I just, I, I know that I, I don't get lost in, in the presence. Like I, when I'm, when I'm doing a thing, I, I don't like to feel like I'm being like invaded on by other stuff. Um, the, another way of putting that would be I'm a lousy multitasker, um, which I take great pride in being a lousy multitasker because if I say I'm lousy at it, I don't want to do it. I'm not even going to try it. It's like the pressure's off to even attempt it. Right. You know, if, if you want to multitasker, go find somebody else, you know? Um, right. So well, it's like, I, but that, 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 that takes work, yeah. you know, it takes work to get there. And it wasn't always that way because we, I mean, I think we as a, I don't know, species cult, culture, society i don't even know i mean i I risk throwing out these big enveloping phrases to describe us um back in the 80s back in the 90s when we had pagers on right we we were doing this task switching every time the pager went off we would jump and sort of do this other thing do you remember pagers Pager? i do remember Pager. pagers a motorola pager it looks so cool in the bar when you got a motorola pager on your i hip. never had one but my cool friends did yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, now it's just your phone. You don't need a pager any longer. You have a phone, right? Yeah. And it, um, and 
I'm eating dinner, but the phone rings. So you have to go get up and answer the phone. And then when you're doing that, you see the bill and for the electric. And then you have to go oh, you pay the electric bill. And back when these things used to not be automated. And then, you know, you see something that's going to do it. And it's like all this constant test switching mm-hmm. by losing a, uh, losing a focus or losing a commitment to the present experience that you're having at the yeah. easy expense of others you know, leads you to a life of reactivity and reaction, I think. Right. You know, which, you know, to boil that down to the next level, I would say, for me personally, is not a great way of being. It brings me a lot of satisfaction. Right. Well, it's funny because I think when you and I first started doing a lot of collaborating, um, you used to apologize all the time for the fact that we had to calendar. Like, and you you would be like, I'm so sorry, but we're going to have to, we're going to have to put this on the calendar. Um, and I think like your apology for that, I was always like, are you kidding? Like I'm a type A personality. Like I have planners and planners and, um, but there is this way in which, um, uh, yeah. Like I think knowing the plan and having the plan is, um, is super comforting, uh, for me, uh, because of my own ways of being in the world. Yeah. Right. Um, but what's interesting is, um, I've been reading a lot about, uh, needs based on, uh, this nonviolent communication training I'm doing and under the heading of autonomy, one of the needs is spontaneity. Mm. And so I've been thinking a little bit about that as we're talking about this, um, this need to like calendar things, um, the calendaring, does turn down the opportunity for spontaneity. Um, and I don't know what else I want to say about that. Like, so I guess maybe like as someone who does do a lot of calendaring, you also though, I think, allow a lot of space in your life for spontaneity. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, I, I'm, 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 I'm thinking about this from the calendar, calendar first point. I, is this a new paradigm of, of approach to the day? Are you a calendar first person or are you a spontaneity first person? Right. It's like the new astrology. Yeah. Um, I mean, nothing's stopping you from blocking out an hour and a half on your calendar and writing spontaneity in it. I mean, Kel Kel Newport talks about this in his podcast and his blogs a lot. You know, it's like, you you know, block out chunks on your calendar that you call deep work. Right. And it's like, that's your, that's your deep work time. And the benefit is, you know, that it, it, I mean, for calendars to become something that is valuable, it has to be sacred. Mm -hmm. You know, there has to be something sacred about the calendar. And it's like, I'm calendaring this to make sure that I do it. So when it pops up on my calendar, I'm going to do it. Right. Um, and it's not going to be invaded on by something else. Or if it is, that's going to have to be a hell of a something else right. that's, that's displacing it. If I say that I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to do Cal Newport's deep work or spontaneity from two to three on Monday, then by God, that's what I'm going to do. And if that ends up being catching up on email, fine, because that's what I need right now. Um, if that ends up being, you know, getting a 
case in point that is very relevant right now, getting a industrial syringe so I can inject new ink into an old ink cartridge and a fountain pen. Well, maybe it's that too, right? Uh, whether there's ink on my hands the next day will let us all know how that went. Um, so, can, can, I mean, not not the topic of a different podcast, but can, can spontaneity be planned for? Like, can you can you can you put that on your calendar? Like an hour of spontaneity where you just like you just sort of YOLO it and whatever sort of happens happens. I think that's a good question. Um, a related question that I was thinking about is like you mentioned the word sacred. Um, can something spontaneous be sacred? Ah, my pause uh, indicates that I'm thinking about that. Your pause indicates that I have accomplished a great feat. (laughs) I don't know. That's a good question. Say it again. Uh, To sacred sacred things. Yeah. can, Can something spontaneous be sacred? That's a, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to come, I'm trying to come to a way to end up with yes, but I'm not sure if I can. I mean, in, I got a million ways that I could get out of this question, right? Of course you, know, you do. There's a million ways I can, I can, I can, I can bypass and sidestep this. Spontaneity itself can be a sacred act, right? And, you know, of course, but only once because after that you're going to plan for it and it's no longer going to be spontaneous, Right. Right. Uh, the more sacred it gets, the more non-spontaneous it gets. My God, why your church service is always at the same time on Sunday morning. It's the least spontaneous thing. Ooh, I have an idea. Let's do church right now, everybody. Let's do it, right? I mean, good luck forming your religion around that. You know, it's, it's you know, the, these very sacred things always seem to be well thought out and well planned in advance. I mean, my God, we're already planning for you know, stuff down the line with holidays. I mean, mm-hmm. pretty soon we're going to start getting Halloween stuff in the in the in the store. Just a matter um, of days. Barely past Easter. Um, I don't know. I don't. I'm, I'm trying to come up with a way to get to a yes on that, just to be interesting. But I'm not sure if I I'm there. Yeah. You know, I think a sp- something spontaneous can end up discovering something sacred, but mm. then it's like you're going to try to plan it, and then I should I should I should only speak for myself, and I'm going to try to plan it and. It's no longer going to be either sacred or spontaneous. Yeah. It's going to be, you know, trying to recapture something that happened one time and is done. And it's going to be something that is on my calendar. Neither yeah. one of which is sacred or spontaneous. Yeah. I mean, see, this is why I always try to ask the tricky questions because then I have the most time to reflect. Before yeah. I, I don't know if I can find a yes on that. I mean, I'm, I'm not there yet. So, I mean, part of. Part of it for me is trying to figure out, okay, so what does it actually mean for something to be sacred? What is sacred? And can any of those sacred things have a have a spontaneous element to them? And the only thing so far, and again, like we have been thinking about this topic for four minutes, right? Yeah. The only thing I can come up with is, for me, I think joy is sacred. And I think joy is often... Mm spontaneous see i was limiting my thoughts to um uh this thunder is spontaneous and a little sacred but is it sacred yeah maybe a little bit maybe a little bit 
I mean, I find thunderstorms to be very sacred. Yeah, me too. Me too. So, Maybe they can. Of course, I'm not the one doing it. So um, <laughs> the, thunder, I mean, the, the thunderstorm says yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Uh, Paul says, I don't know. I'm still trying to, you know, my, I think my, maybe my, my point of view on things being sacred is, is sort of limited a little bit to ritual. Maybe I'm thinking more like ritualistic stuff more than mm. I am thinking about other things. You know, I might right. be just kind of limited my own definition of sacred, which either says that I have a kind of a light imagination with that or that I don't see that many things as being sacred. Well, you know, it's like, I don't know. I'm trying to have a hard time coming up with that. I mean, well, I left the church, so. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think I'm thinking about sacred in light of when we did the 40 days guide. Uh-huh. We talked about defining the sacred. And I feel like we had a kind of unusual way of coming to that definition. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But it's been... A number of months so i'm not sure at this point if i remember but i remember the way we were thinking about the sacred at the time was very influenced by the fact that for something like if we make us a sacred object if an object becomes sacred it's not the object itself it's what we bring to it correct correct yeah so ritual I mean, that might be the challenge for you, right? Like if you're thinking about sacred as being ritualistic, I think ritual and spontaneity do not go together. Yeah, I have an idea. Let's slaughter a a goat, right? I don't know. Like (laughs) what are the rituals that we do? Um, Yeah. That's a Mm. different podcast as well. Yeah. Um, But part of my way of being in the world is that I have... Uh, I happen to value um, thinking about the language we use, and that leads to an action, which is asking Paul hard questions after we push the play button. Yeah, I don't mind that. I think it's I kind know. of fun. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. I mean, you don't um, do anything you don't like. We also yeah, know right, that's right, part right, of Paul's right, way no, of being, yeah, and he keeps coming back. That's not necessarily a great... <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that that's a something that everyone should do um i just uh have things i like things to be internally consistent before i take <laughs> before i take action on them and what i what i realize is that when i when there's something is like i just don't like doing that it's like clearly i don't see that it has value either for me or for its own sake it just seems like something to do for its own it, paperwork for paperwork's sake oh. you know kind of stuff red tape for the sake of things let's make it let's make things look important by making them complicated mm-hmm. it, it's the harvard principle yeah you know let's make harvard look exclusive by making it rare yeah you know um it, it's a good education because not many people can do it and well, it self-reinforces you know so it's like that's the stupidest thing ever in my life you know but i mean that's how much of our time is spent this way where it's like Ooh, there's a thing I don't like. I'm going to resist the thing I don't like. Y- you know, like you and I were asked to fill out some paperwork this week, right? Um, and th- in the amount of time that I have spent yeah. writing emails, whining about the fact <laughs> that I have to do paperwork, I could have done the paperwork. I don't like it either. I don't like it right? either. Right? But this is my way of being. In, like for me, like one thing that is super true about me is that I value fairness. Um, and yeah, I've seen that. 
Yeah, you've seen that. And so I think that value sort of got like a little bit of a button push. And Mm -hmm. I did. I I reacted to like this. The ask does not seem to meet the like the return on investment here seems small. Yeah. I hate this. And I'm going to talk about how much I hate it over and over and over yeah, yeah. until I feel like I have closed the stress cycle uh, from having been triggered by my need for fairness. Right. And it's not even a need for fairness. It is a preference for preference fairness. Preference for fairness, right. And then once I'm done with that, once I'm done with that reaction, I'll just shut up and fill out the 17 forms. Or, or... um. Could this be a way? It's like, you know, we can complain about the forms all we want, but only while we'll f- only while we're filling them out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can grumble all, all we want, you know, as long as we're actually filling out the forms while we're grumbling about them. Oh, yes. Name. This is the fourth time I've put my name in these forms. Why do I have to do this again? Right. And that's what we did when we thought it was only one form we had to do. Like we we did in solidarity, we logged on and we complained about the one form. Yeah, right. Right, right. And and the universe was like, "Hey, Paul and Sherry, Mm -hmm. I heard you hate paperwork. (laughs) I'm going to give you an opportunity to grow. Try this. Thanks. The universe universe. does that. I found the universe has always given me opportunities to unlock the next thing that's on the plate. Yeah, I've always found that true. Yeah. It's like, I don't have to worry about what I need to do next. It's like the universe will show me what's next. You know, it always has. Yeah. It always has. And I mean, I can explain that a lot of different ways without going too deep into, you know, esoteric spirituality, but it's like, you are where you are. You grow when you grow, you know, some things that are going to be lessons later on in your life might just pass you by right now unobserved because you're just not there yet. Um, Yep. You know, it can go a lot of a lot of ways, but uh I've yet to yet to unlock the form form comfort uh level of this game, you uh-huh. know, where I love doing paperwork because I don't know. I think I just don't like doing paperwork. That's my conclusion. It's like I can be okay with that. Yeah. But I don't want to spend three hours grumbling about something that I could do in half an hour. Yeah, just you know, I'll I'll grumble, but I'll be doing the paperwork while I do. <laughs> That's like the best I can offer, you know. Yeah. The first like person that. that we ever hire together will be a person who loves to do paperwork. I know a person who loves to do paperwork. Hmm. I know a person who loves to do paperwork. Yeah, well, she used to do it for me back uh, back in the day. Well, there was a form. Who I'll do it. I'm like, you go right ahead. <laughs> go right ahead. Is that person <laughs> still in your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. When we're ready for payroll, yeah, yeah, that well, person will be our first call. Runner up, yeah, man, runner up. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I've plugged a lot of things. I think more, re- more, more of them more recently in my life into this way of being, and I and I think ultimately that came from uh, recognizing that my way of being earlier in my life wasn't one that I really was in love with, mm-hmm. you know, and I, you know, I have to just mention this cause it's come into my head like five times since we've had started this conversation. It was one of the like nine Rocky movies. I don't know what it was. It was like one of the early ones, like Rocky 
it wasn't Rocky two. I think it was like Rocky three or Rocky four. And it's like the whole theme of the movie was whether or not like people can change or something like that. Right. I don't know what it was. I think it was with uh, the one with, uh, I don't know. It's fighting the big Russian guy. In my head, they're all one movie. Durago. So yeah, I think they are. Yeah. Um, and it was like, and he gave this big speech at the end. I didn't think people could change, but people can change, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, come on. Um, uh, and I agree. I think people can change, you know? So, I mean, it gets back to this, you know, I, I put as much stock into the nature nurture conversation, I think, as you do, which mm-hmm. is very little, I think. Um, I think it's a, a straw argument that is easily burned. Um, mm-hmm. But it still seems like one of those conversations that students like to have in order to kind of sound like you're in college. It's like, who's teaching you this stuff? Where do you get this stuff from? You know, if I see one more damn presentation on nature versus nurture, it's like, I'm going to literally throw up. Um, God. Um, it's like, what a fascinating conversation in 1935 that was. <laughs> you know? But for them, it's their first time seeing it, Yeah, right? yeah. So I, I, I try to be kind, but I don't always succeed yeah. uh, with that, I have to say. Um I don't always succeed with with that, um, but even that though. I mean, when I when I I say that that I, I try to be kind, you know, when I when I think about these things, but I don't always succeed in that. I mean, that I think even when we do try to come to a way of being that is kinder, a little more um, gives more opportunity for growth, uh, maybe gives us an opportunity to learn some things through some psychological or mental or spiritual openness to new ideas. Every once in a while, you just wake up and you're grumbly, and somebody says something. And it's like, "Wow, oh, so stupid!" Blah blah blah. You know, and it <laughs> it is easy to I won't say like fall back into old habits or something like that. But um, even on the you know even on the best of days, we don't always do things that you know are our best selves as we want to want them to be. And even on our worst days, sometimes we can do things that are kind of kind. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's one of those things where how do you how do you trend? Yeah. You know, can you can you do some things in the day that intentionally kind of cause you to trend in a direction? Yeah. Um, where a way of being might be a little make uh, I don't know what the right word is easier or more potential for growth or more consistent with the consistent, way of being you're yeah. aiming for. Yeah. 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 I mean, cause if we aim for perfection, right, we're automatically like setting ourselves up for failure. Yeah, absolutely. It's like you lost, you, you lost before you begun. Right. Yeah. It's the wrong, it's the wrong tree to bark up. Right. And I think about this a lot since I teach students, you know, I teach rhetoric. I teach how to talk to other humans effectively And the hardest thing about teaching that is the fact that as a human, I do not always do this well. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I feel like, I don't know, um, this is where sometimes I fixate on how special my discipline is, right? Because I don't think like math faculty are like, well, sometimes I'm bad at math, right? Yeah, (laughs) You know? But the fact of the matter, like, but sometimes I'm really bad at rhetoric, right? Like I, or it's not even that I'm necessarily bad at it. It's that 
my humanity takes over and I don't care what the best rhetorical move is. And that might be where I have shifted into reaction and away from response. Right. right. Yeah. Lecture and lab are different sometimes. Oh, that's so true. Lecture and lab are different. Um, I've, I've sort of copped out. Well, I mean, these fields are so big. I mean, when, when one says one specializes in rhetoric, you know, I, I don't even have the right to be speaking about this. I got to be honest. If only we had a rhetoric professional in the, in the, in, in, in this podcast, that would be super Dr. Spiegel. Um, cause I mean, in like in a science, like people think that I'm good at science, you know, and it's cause like, you I science all the time. Yeah. Cause I do. I science all the time. Right. Um, process. Yes. But it's like, so you can do like physics. It's like, well, a little, I took a class and I have these former students talk to me, like asking for help, like on these deep, dark cellular processes in, you know, what, how, what the alkenes react with. And I'm like, I don't know. It's like, I don't even know if I ever have, Oh, really? I thought that's something you would know. I don't know. Like, I, I can't help you with your organic chemistry homework today. <laughs> it's like, that's not, my God, I'm a paleontologist. If you have a fossil you need identified, now we're talking. But, you know, well, when it comes, it's like, I, no, I don't know where that atom goes in that reaction. I just don't. Right. You know? Well, and this is something I think I learned. Like, well, Paul's taught zoology. What do you know about gazelles? Perhaps like, oh, you would know more about gazelle fossils. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, but that, but that's it. It's like, what do I know about gazelles? It's like I've seen a couple. You know, I mean, one, one, uh, w- one claiming proficiency of something does not <laughs> mean that one is a trivia book you know about every single thing you know it's like i don't have the you know the world's disposed and i think a lot of our students misunderstand that now that i'm starting to think about that you know i think i think oftentimes the thought is that we do have encyclopedic knowledge and some people do and some people do right have encyclopedic knowledge over the details of, of of all of these things but you know my approach was always I don't need to know everything about gazelles. I have this awesome book over here. I'll look it up. Right. Good God. It's called the internet. It's like Google it. Yeah. Start there. It's like, I don't need to remember it. You know, right. I can use my brain for other things. Right. Like, I mean, that's the other assumption, right? Is that the goal of college is to become a walking encyclopedia. Yeah, right. It's not. It's Please not. Please don't. We it's have not. encyclopedias. That job is taken. Yeah, the job's taken, you know, by, you know, a dead tree that has ink on it, you know. And I used to make this case even my, I almost said even with my honors classes, but it's like especially with my honors Mm. classes that I teach. It's like, don't try to be a better book than the book. It's like, if your aspiration is to be a good textbook, it's like, I can't imagine missing more of a point. You know, being smart is not about how much stuff you're able to cram in there. Of course, knowledge for its own sake can be good, especially on trivia night at the local pub um, or while playing Trivial Pursuit. But a well-rounded, you know, individual with a with a healthy way of being in the world, that does not make. Yeah. Well, and I think this is one of the things where a lot of times folks will say things like, oh, I'm taking calculus. Like, what am I ever going to need calculus? And it's like... What if the point wasn't the calculus, but learning the ways of being that are necessary to be a person who can do calculus? What if that was the question? And? 
And I think that it might be true, but I'm not sure that if that was unlocked, opportunities to practice calculus might present themselves to you. Mm-hmm. Because I used to always get this in biology 101, like introductory bio, students would say, why do I ever have to learn about aerobic respiration and what mitochondria do? Not only what mitochondria, but like how they do it. Literally, where does that atom go? Um, how, what is that reaction that happens there? Why do I have to learn that? And you know, my sort of off-the-cup response was, well, if you don't learn it, you'll never know. You know, it's like you can't use stuff that you don't know. Mm-hmm. Right? And you yeah. don't have to know them like inside and out, but you do have to know enough about it to get yourself into or out of a little bit of trouble. Where at least I don't know everything about it, but at least I know this and anything else. I can just sort of look it up and find out. I mean, that's all you, that's the only place you really need to be, mm-hmm. you know, and goodness knows I don't know everything about everything. And I certainly don't know a little bit about most, I don't know a little bit about most things, you know, I'll, I'll go so far as to say that. I know a lot about some things, but not much about most. Um, but I don't have to, because there's other people that know a lot about other things and not much about what I do. So I mean, it sort of balances itself out, I think. Um, but this whole, I, I really like where you went with that though. I mean, this, this whole notion that it's like, why do I ever need to know this? It's like, well, I can't, you know, the, the information itself cannot be the point. Mm-hmm. The information can't be the point or else it is actually a waste of time because the right. book solved that, that technology of the book solved that problem. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things that my husband and I both learned in introductory science classes, probably within our chemistry class, uh, was how to measure things, you know, on the meniscus. Extremely important. Yeah. Extremely important. I use that all the time. Extremely important. Have you ever cooked anything in the kitchen? Have you ever baked? It's extremely important. Yeah. Like, and all these people are like, oh, I can't cook. Well, did you pay attention in chemistry class? Because that might be why. Learn how to read a meniscus. Yeah, learn how to read a meniscus. Mm -hmm. And then you get to say the word meniscus. Yeah. Uh, To be honest with you, I don't think I paid enough attention in chemistry class, which is why when uh, I first was baking in the presence of one Eric Spiegel, science extraordinaire, Mm -hmm. I believe I was gently encouraged to better understand the meniscus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I do that. Yeah, with, with baking, learning the difference between volume, mass, and weight. Those are very different yes. concepts, especially when measuring flour. Right. right? So, for example, Dr. Spiegel, um, when making bread, mm-hmm. volume volume of flour or mass slash weight of flour. It's always mass. I'm always yeah. going to weigh that stuff. Yeah. 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 Why not? Because it's usually like one cup of kind of whatever it is. Why does that not work? Because, well, ha, is it sifted or unsifted? Exactly. Like, exactly. 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 So, um, and how do you learn these things, these practical skills on how to live a life uh, meaningfully where one makes good bread? Well, you pay attention in chemistry for Christ's sakes. Now get your ass to class. Quit mm-hmm. screwing around. Yeah. Go to school, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's, I always tell people that my. My intro chemistry class was basically chemistry for liberal arts majors, uh, which I always tell people was how not to blow yourself up in your kitchen. And you know what? I haven't. Um, But I also know things like if something catches on my on fire in my kitchen, what do you throw on it? (laughs) Yeah, right. That's useful. 
And it depends. Don't, don't mix acids and bases. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. It's useful. It's useful. Yeah. yeah. It's useful. But I think it requires a way of being in the world where you say information that I engage with could be useful. And is the is the um is the strength in that the could be? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Um See, I can ask good questions too. You can, that's why I keep you around. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um I may have told some of our mutual students the other day that both of us have the love language of good questions. Yeah, yeah. Like, you want to impress us? Ask us a good question. I love a good question. Love a good question. The best ones are the ones that I don't know the answer to. Right, yeah. And see how I distracted you from your question so yeah. that I didn't have to answer yeah, that, it? That went well. That went Is well. the power in the could? Maybe? What do you mean? Yeah, I'm I'm wondering myself. Um is it in the could be? Um the potentiality of something, you know, ooh, this might be useful. I should pay attention. There's gotta be more to it than that, I would think, you know. Yeah. Um I think yeah, no, it really does do you think it comes down to this way of being? I mean because I mean I don't walk around the world saying, Oh, I'm gonna pay attention to this because it could be useful one day. I don't do that. I don't do that, you know? Um when when engaging in new information and learning new things, it's not because it might be useful. It's because I'm curious. Hmm. It's 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 just it's just um, it 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 falls down to something more basic. Like to it falls down to like my way of being in the world is one where I'm gonna be curious about stuff. It's it's I mean for it to because it might be useful is far more practical than I do. Interesting. So I think this might be where you and I are kind of different because so you are curious. I don't think I'm uncurious. No, you're not uncurious. You're totally curious. But I think I am I am driven by scrappiness. Hmm. So like MacGyver. Right? Oh, totally. Like MacGyver is able to survive because he sees everything in his room as an opportunity. We've talked yeah, about MacGyver right, before, right, right, right. right? I love that show. I love that show. I know. And my appreciation for you grew when you told me how you MacGyvered the uh, the drywall situation in your home recently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. a MacGyver situation. I was like, that's some scrappy stuff like right we there. It's like we got a hole in the wall, a cutting board, some aluminum foil, <laughs> and a staple gun, right? And yep. some gorilla tape. What do we, what, how do we make this work? Yep. I have never been more proud of you than I was <laughs> like, when you described that, I was like, ah, my people. Yeah, that's always fun. You know, and those are the, those are always the, you know, Eric would, would enjoy this conversation too. Those are always the things in physics that I enjoy the most, or this kind of, you know, kind of ac academic high school, early college, you know, science experiments is like, well, you have these five and you have these five things. What can you do? That's interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, what can you put together? How can you combine these things in a way that does something neat or that right. is in some way? But that's that's technology defined, right. you know, where the where the thing that you construct is has more value than the sum of its parts. Right. Right. That's what makes something technological. That's what technology is. Right. I mean, it's also critical theory, um, critical theory versus productive theory, which is what um, one of my mentors uh, 
offered me in graduate school. And I think that might be why I like to think, and I don't know that I would have phrased it this way before I, you know, kind of grew into the idea of productive theory. But the idea with productive theory is that anything you run into could potentially be useful. Um, yeah. And that's, yeah. that's just how I've always been as a researcher, right? Like, yeah, oh, totally. You know, and it probably, I mean, it's not, it, it probably really does have some roots in curiosity, right? Because, like, when I was an undergraduate researcher in the stacks, um, part of my research process uh, was really just standing in the stacks saying, huh, what else is here? Yeah. Right. right? Um, and now, like, I recorded a video for my students this week that I haven't posted because I was convinced it was the most boring video I've ever recorded in my life. Uh, but some of them want it, so I'm going to give it to them. I yeah. guess they need sleep yeah, aids. Yeah, yeah. Um, but all it is is just me in the databases being scrappy. Mm -hmm. Right? So I know I'm searching for this thing. I actually think I used mindfulness as an example. Like, okay, cool. I'm going to cool. start with mindfulness. Then I'm going to pay attention to what journals mindfulness seems to show up in. I'm going to look just within this particular journal and da, 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 da. Um, like, I don't know. I just, I'm really always interested in what happens if I take all this random stuff and throw it together. Yeah. And in order to be able to do that, you have to collect a bunch of random stuff. Yeah, you do. You do. Um, it's like you need, you need seed randomness to grow, <laughs> yeah. to grow, to, to build on, on, on stuff. You know, and I'm, I'm starting to get a little clarity of my own thought on this as we're as we're talking about it, because never I'm feeling like never really knowing when something is going to be useful, like never really knowing like when I'm going to need something. The best way that I've had to to come to a place where um, I get full access and availability to, to something for future use is to pay full attention to it in the present moment. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So more. it's, it's like, Ooh, I'm going to pay attention to this thing. Even if it doesn't, but it's like, but it's, it's not, Ooh, I'm going to, this is, I'm going to need this later. So I'm going to pay attention to it. It's like this inclination to, I'll be able to access things if I ever need them best by just paying attention to stuff if I when when they're in front of me. Cause ooh, this one thing happened in 1983 when I was talking to this person. It was and the only way that you can do that is if it's like you were paying attention, you know, to the thing that was happening in 1983 when that person told you that thing. Mm -hmm. Um and and you know, if if I give what's in front of me my full attention, I'm more able to access that stuff later on, I think, rather than being scattered all the time. Um and, and I mean, this is the focus that, you know, many of us, I think I do anyway, you know, try to teach kind of th through the side door a little bit in, in my classes, like, let's pay it, let's pay attention to this one thing. Um, how do you, let's, how do we work on focus? You mm -hmm. know, how do we bring focus in, into something? Um, starts oftentimes, sorry, students, put your cell phone away, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, um, task switching is a burden, you mm -hmm. know, when something distracts you, it takes you out of something. It's, it, you, you don't flip back to it right away, 
you know, and if you want to, if you want to be able to access stuff later, you got to pay attention to it now. And, and that's sort of, you know, and I think that falls down to my way of being, you know, mm-hmm. that I've sort of had. And I think I have the benefit of, I don't know, I don't know where you fall into this. Right. Um, but I mean, I didn't have my first cell phone until I was 30. Five, thirty-four. I was in my twenties. Because there weren't there weren't cell phones, you know. Yeah. It's like my very first cell phone was a Motorola Razor V two, an awesome phone, an awesome phone. You know what you could do with that phone? Call you could people. call people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and miracle of miracles, they could call you too. You know. Um, you could save their number and call. Them yeah, again. you could save their number. You know, like. Texting is another story. That was an added little perk. Now that's all they're really for, you know. Right. And yeah, and it's it's interesting because you know a lot of times in our conversations with students, um, with our maybe in our conversations with humans these days, like um, I think a lot of people are very burdened, right? Like by just total exhaustion and burnout, right? Yeah. And I think what you're talking about, like this idea of focus. Uh, the idea of task switching. I don't know how aware most people are of one, how much energy that takes. And time. And time. And so are you bad at calculus or have you never given calculus your full attention? Yeah. It's a good question. You know, and it's, I mean, decision fatigue is like a real thing. Um, Oh yeah, it is. You know, and days that I... Like, honestly, I think one of the reasons that I feel more productive at home than I ever am in the office is because I am distracted. I am interrupted far less. Yeah. Um, And my distractions at work are lovely and beautiful. Delightful. They're delightful. But it's also that constant task switching. And so I go home exhausted. Um, And I think a lot of our students, even within an hour and 20 minutes, like when I'm on a call for my class, I try to stay off my phone. Yeah. Because, you know, like teaching will be more exhausting if I am also trying to keep up with my friends and Uh discuss dinner with my husband and, you know, send random gifts to Paul. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I can usually Coming up, don't we, right? Um, Yeah. So, um, yeah, because, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, your average task switch, I mean, once when, when something, somebody distracts you or something, I, 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 something distract, you are distracted by something when you're trying to do something focused, it can be 10, 15 minutes that are just gone, you know, that you can't, that, that you have to redevote to get back into it if you can, mm-hmm. you know. And so um, it's. That's a that's an excellent question that you ask, right? You know, it, it, there's only there's only I almost feel like not only is decision fatigue a thing, there is only like like you sort of alluded to, only so many times a day you can switch tasks before it's like you know what I'm cooked, I'm done for the day. And you and I use the same phrase. It's like you know I'm cooked, um, and and that is sort of what. And I think a lot a big part of that is like when I've switched tasks this many times, I'm done. Yeah. You know, and uh, there's only so many decisions I can make in a day. Yeah. And um, that's why it's like if I can, if I don't have to think about what I wear, that's one more decision I can make Mm -hmm. that is 
something that I could could be more um, of benefit to the universe than <laughs> what am I going to wear today? You know. Yeah. Yeah. So if I just wear a black T-shirt and jeans, thanks Steve Jobs. Um, his was the black turtleneck. You know, but that's why he did that. He always said, right? Because it's like, it's one less thing I have to think about. It's one less decision I have to make. Right. And I think Zuckerberg does the same thing. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I tell you. Yeah. I'm nodding my head over here like I'm talking about something. Like, it works. It's great. Yeah. You don't have a diverse wardrobe, but man, it's great. So, I mean, one thing for me is, I don't know if this is how I've been socialized as a woman or if it really is my own way of being and preference in the world. But I get sick of looking at myself in the same shit every day. Right? Like I really, like I need something different. Like if I, like, actually, I don't know. I've never done an experiment where every day for a week, I just <laughs> wear uh, my Paul outfit. And yeah, because yeah. y'all, I do have a Paul outfit. Yeah. Actually, I was earlier. Well, the I was funny like, thing is, like everybody has a Paul outfit. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have jeans and a black T-shirt. And you got a. Paul yeah, you're outfit. done. Um, but I just get sick of the same clothes. But one thing that I did do um, last year, which no one knows because basically no one has seen me uh, every day. Actually, that's not true. Um, the only people that see me on a day on day and day ba- basis is probably you and my husband. Um, but I decided at a certain point that I'm not a person that wears a lot of color. Like I used to think I needed to be colorful and I've basically decided, um, I mostly wear black, get over it. And, uh, occasionally I will wear other colors and those colors are purple and maroon. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I've discovered. Paul's now thinking, like, did I notice that she's doing that? Well, I noticed, like, you are wearing kind of a purplish little thing now, right? Yeah. Kind mm-hmm. of sweater situation. Um, the I, I I don't I don't run that risk of you know seeing myself not wearing a diverse color palette, uh, and I came up with an excellent solution for that. Is like just look at yourself, right? It's <laughs> it's easy. You can imagine yourself in anything that you would like you know get away from the fact that you're wearing a black t-shirt and, and jeans i don't know i did mix it up though lately my my current tennis shoes are not black they are gray, gray. so it's brought a little diversity into my own yeah. way of being but i've had students before who have called me monochrome man before because <laughs> it's like i wear monochromatic <laughs> it's a true story well i mean they're not wrong yeah, not wrong, but it's like, God, it's just so much easier. Talk about a way of being. Uh, the decisions that I want to make uh, are ones that are worth making, worth spending the time and energy on. But right? you do, you you know, you break outside of your own metric occasionally. You do yeah, own yeah, yeah. a couple of blue shirts. Yeah, a couple. I always <laughs> like, like, opposite day when Paul will come in and he will have a blue shirt and black pants black on. Black pants, yeah, I did that a couple of times. That's just fun. Yeah. It's like... Uh, that is uh, an exercise in creativity a la Paul right there. It's like, I'm going to freak people out. I'm going to wear a blue, blue t-shirt, black jeans. And the best thing about, I think the first time you did that, I could tell how proud you were 
And I was like, and I noticed it immediately. And I was like, I'm not going to mention it. And let's see how long it takes him I'm not to a be like, notice person. me. Yeah, I'm not a complicated. It's like the joys I get are simple ones, simple ones. You know, yeah. it's like, I don't need anything big and fancy. It's like, I'll show them. Mm-hmm. I don't always wear a black t-shirt and blue jeans. I'll wear a blue t-shirt and black jeans. I think you did that like the day after I went to school dressed as you. Yeah, yeah. Just so just so you knew that I could do something different if I wanted to. Yeah. Right? But you also, when I showed up dressed like you, you purpose it felt purposefully did not notice or acknowledge it. <laughs> um, so we torture each other in the same way, I think. That's fun. Yeah, that's it fun. It is fun. Um, Our way of being in the world. Ways Light of being are fun. Yeah. Torture. But I think they can be changed. I think they can be addressed. But I think one has to recognize them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think you have to ask yourself, you know, and come to that. You know, is the way that I'm being in the world the way that I want to be? I mean, there's your million dollar question right there. Right. You know? Um, and I think it's harder to do that than it is to actually do the change. Mm-hmm. I think once you realize that you can and that maybe the way of being that somebody might have is, isn't serving them that well, I think that's the hard part. It yeah. requires a little bit of introspection, a little bit of humility, a little bit of seeing oneself right. as someone that um, whose actions have consequences. Mm-hmm. You know, um, seeing somebody as something that ties into other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what we do affects other people and other yeah. things. Um, and you don't get, you don't get good from bad, really. I can't do something shitty and expect something good to come out of it. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, karma, however defined is kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, if you want every, if you want to be happy all the time and get all the good stuff, it's easy. Just be nice to everybody. It's true. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, I think when your way of being in the world assumes that other people are real. Yeah. That affords you much, right? Like, I think, you know, so much of the atrocity of humanity um, can be tracked back to the assumption uh, when groups of people, as part of their way of being in the world, assume other people are not real. Yeah. That... Yeah. My feelings and my needs are the only things that matter. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and that that realization that there's connect, there's interconnection. You know. Yeah. Your actions, no matter what you think of yourself, your actions do affect others, impact others, and that can be either a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Mm-hmm. You know, on how that what that nature of that interaction is. So, what kind of way of being do you want in this world? Yeah. How do you want how do you want this to go? Mm-hmm. Cool. That was a good one, Paul. It was a good one. <laughs> I liked it. I think you liked it. Hopefully I the listeners it. enjoyed it. Yeah. I know. Got a nice little thunderstorm there in the middle of it, didn't we? Uh, well, you uh, did. I, usually, I did. Yeah, I did. Usually mine, what, when you get something, it usually takes like an hour to get to my house. Yeah, 45. Yeah. Um, it poured. It poured. It's starting to get a little dark over here. Yeah, so. it poured. So. I'm looking cool. forward to it. I awesome. love a spring shower. Yeah, me too. That was a spring thunder, thunder shower. That's fine. Those drops were big. Awesome. Even better. Yeah. I cool. could talk about this. I could talk about this all day. So Yes. Meteorology Paul next cool. week. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> we'll talk to everybody soon. Okay, bye. Bye.
This podcast is produced by Sherry Spiegel, Paul Fitzgerald, and This Most Unbelievable Life. For more information, please check us out at www.thismostunbelievablelife.com. Paul and Sherry have a podcast. Paul and Sherry podcast, yes. Yes.